Hi, welcome back everyone to another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissim over here, or Nissim as he likes to be called. Um, it's an honor to be back and we've gotten over a couple of messages. One message is saying they missed us on Chalamoid. Yep, it was a beautiful yantiv and we didn't have a, a live show. We had music over here, but it was fantastic. It was nice. It was a real beautiful yantiv. We've got some two nice bits of information to share with you. Number one, to tell everyone that Baruch Hashem, the book Alive, which has come out about a month ago, has hit such great numbers that they sold out on the first printing. I just got a call today from Art Scroll from the publishing, and they told us that the book is a complete sellout and they're going to the second printing. So I'd like to thank you all for having this great excitement, this turnout to it, as well as I spoke to someone this morning and someone told me that they were going in there to Sral to try to get the book and they were sold out as well. So it's nice to see what a great seller this book is doing, the amount of information that I'm getting, calls that people are calling in and excited about it and how it's helped changed. I really appreciate it. We've even got a text now just coming in about the book. But we're going to get there. We'll deal with that soon. One second bit of information I'd like to share, which is highly excited to me, is we've been getting requests about a parenting workshop and doing a parenting workshop. And yes, Mertesham, I will be doing a parenting workshop in a week from now, starting today is Monday, Mertesham, starting next Wednesday, April 22nd. I'm pretty sure that's the date. And the number to call up, to sign up is 201-691-7626. That's 201-691-7626. But if you'd like to hear all about it, I'll share with you some of the information and how to do it. Basically, what here are some of the basic questions that we get. Do you find that you're afraid of your kids, that they're really leading the show? Also, what we're going to be doing is to make it one step for everyone, is it's not going to be divided into kids. And for teenagers, we're going to be doing it into one workshop. So it's going to be four evenings, about two, two to two and a half hours each of them. And it's going to be the ages from 2 to 18. So if you're going to find that you're afraid of your kids, if you're finding that you're missing the tools, how to get them to listen, you're finding that their kids are always complaining, you didn't buy them, you should have done this, do you find yourself always needing to shout and that's the only time that they're going to listen to you? Do you find that getting them to do homework is a battle? Do you find bedtime is a battle? Do you find with your teenagers trying to speak to them, finding out what's going on with them is a battle? Do you find that whenever you say A, they're going to say B? Do you find that they're missing confidence? Do you find that you're threatening and yelling the whole time? Do you find yourself that you're being the parent that you don't want to be? And it goes on and on. So basically, Mertzeshem, with this workshop, we'll be able to give you some of the basic skills that you'll be able to find that most of the time the leadership, once the parents are aware of what to do, it's a very skills-based program, we find tremendous shifts all over. So you'll be able to get thank you from your kids, be able to be um, appreciating what you're doing. You're going to learn how to get the confidence in within them, how to get some structure there without the battle. It's a skills-based program. Just to be clear what this is not, and we hear that all the time over here on the programs and where the questions come is, if your kid's got a major disorder, and I don't mean like a little disorder, like a little bit down to that, but a major, a major disorder, then you need more detailed help. This 
workshop will give you information about what's going on. You'll understand what should be done, but will it actually do the work that you might not find it doing the complete work as something else? If you, the parents, suffer from anxiety. Now, everyone's got stress. I'm not talking about stress. I'm talking about anxiety, depression, OCD. If you, the parent, has a major issue, again, you will get a lot of information from this course, and it will help you a lot, but it's not going to do that job. There, you need individual work. Imagine someone's got a strep throat, so then you go to the doctor, and the doctor will give you whatever medications needed. However, it's a more serious issue, then what we need to do is we need to get to a specialist, and that specialist will guide you one-on-one, -on -one. as well as if there are major shalom bias issues between the parents, this course will give you information, but it won't be the full job. Again, because in each of these cases, it's not skills-based that we're missing, it's missing the inner presence. There's so much going on that we don't have the head for that. So therefore, the number to call up is either 201-691-7626, where there will be a representative, or you can call my phone line, which is 718-298-2011, Section 8, and Section 1, Section 8, then 1, you'll hear about the information. But now, to get on with the program, to call in is 718, uh, what is the number? 683-5858, Take live questions always ahead of the text, but I'll still give you the number if you'd like to text in your questions. 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. Arvindusson, I see we got people on already. Yeah. Miss Q. Miss Q, you're on with Mordechai. Hello. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for taking your my call. And also, I really enjoy your shows, and I lo I'm looking forward to reading your book. We got it, and my family's enjoying it. And also, so I, my question is, basically my class is very lucky, and I have a very close friend, and she's actually not in my clique, and she got into a major fight with the girls in her clique. And it was, like, very big. Like, she, she, he, everyone knew about it, like, the teachers and the principals. She wouldn't, like, come to school. And after, like, a month, basically, she made up. And she doesn't just, like, she just feels like she's not, like, close to her friends anymore. And she keeps telling me how she doesn't think it's going to work out. And I feel like I have, like, a responsibility to help her. I don't know what to do. Okay. So let's take your question and just repeat it so we make sure I got it. You have a click. And, those, and you have friends there. You also have a best friend that's in another class. Now the clique is in a fight with your best friend. What do you do? No. My class is clicky, and my clique is good, but her clique, it, she, she got in a fight. So I have a friend who's in that clique who got in the fight. Okay, so now I got it. So the other clique got into a fight with your friend. Yeah. Now, what's the problem? I don't know. What's the problem? So your friend is in a fight with some girls. All right. right. That happens in the world. Why is that troubling you? No, it was like a very big fight. And finally, after she meet up, she just doesn't feel like close to her friends anymore. And she keeps telling me how she doesn't think it's going to work out. Oh, so wait, she is in your class? I thought you said she's in another class. No, she's in my class. Oh, she's in your class. So she got into a fight with the friends in her clique. And now yeah. they're not so such good friends. Right. Okay. How long ago did this fight happen? Mm, maybe a month ago, Bill. Okay, and now since then, did school start today? Yeah. And how was it today? She's like friends with them. She's just not as close anymore. Okay. So let's first take a couple of points over here. First, let's recognize that this is very normal, which means it's normal to have disagreements with people, it's normal for friends to move on, and it's normal to make new friends. First, can we recognize that? That's something that people don't talk about. 
you can have a good friend, you can have a best friend, and then things move on. You get into a fight, you start thinking differently, you change schools, and there's still a connection there, but it's just different. And sometimes people get so concerned. People are so nervous. So, oh, my friends are moving. My friends are changing. I'll never have best friends. And that's not true. If you can make best friends once, you will, Merit Hashem, be able to make it again. That pressure. How do you think you'll feel if you, if you can tell your friend, don't worry, you'll make new friends. Either you'll get back good friends with these friends, because that's how it happens. Do you ever have something with your brother or with your sister that you can get into a major fight? I'll never talk to this person again. I hate her more. I hate her. I wish she was never my brother or my sister. I'm sure yeah. you've had that once in a while, right? And then what happens mm -hmm. two, three days later? You start talking to them again. Exactly. So first thing we want to tell your friend is let go. Let's not, let's not, what's the word I'm looking for? Let's not cement that this relationship is over and I'll never be their friend. What you could say is right now I don't want to be my, their friend. Or maybe something will change and they'll want to be their friend. Maybe they'll even need a teacher to get involved. No, like all the teachers were involved, but she still has that feeling. Okay, then they let her discuss it with the teacher, and then maybe the teacher can help her out. Or maybe the teacher will tell you, you know, something you're right. But one thing you want to tell your friend is maybe it's true, and maybe you won't have any more best friends or with this clique, but then you'll find other friends. Making friends has very little to do with the group and has to do with ourselves. Right. Okay, thank you so Wait, much. hold on, hold on. Here, tell me, because I'm very proud of you. It's very brave of you to call in. So what, what do you hear from my answer? Like, what are you going to repeat to her? What are you going to tell your friend? That, like, it's fine that she should just, like, she should just try, either she could, like, I don't know, either she could, like, make, try to make new friends or, like, it might come back and she, she might be friends with them again. Yes, good. Or? I don't know. <laughs> or she could know she'll make other friends. Oh. Not to get focused. Not to get folks that these friends, it has to be this. You can you imagine how stressful it would be if everything has to be exactly the same, if I still have to have my friends from second grade? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, now, what are the two points that you could tell your friend? That either she could make new friends or she could stay with her old friends. That's right. And now we can tell her another bit of information that I didn't say till now. And that is, let's not limit Hashem's ways, which means we see two options. Either she makes new friends in the class or she gets back to those friends. And I wonder if there's a third option out there that we're not seeing. Maybe she'll make her own group of friends. Maybe she, you, and maybe two other friends will make your group. Maybe the teacher will get involved and stop clicks in general. Do you realize how many other options are out there? But one thing I want to illustrate is that when we are stuck in a problem we only see one or two solutions and if those two solutions don't work we feel trapped and we start getting nervous and we start getting tense and if we could realize that Hashem there are so many other options out there let's just relax let's let go right yeah yeah good Havnissa what do you say to this hold on I just want to put some uh, peace of mind about teacher involved with all this stuff I would say that uh it's amazing to see kids fighting, and after five minutes, it's like nothing. And when adults come involved, it can stay forever. So I say, I, I look at, you know, and especially in Cholamoyed, you can see it so clearly, you know, between uh, even the brothers and, you know, some neighbors, all this. 
don't get involved with kids fighting. You know, if it's coming to a violent or something, it's yes. But uh, I believe that in a few days, everything forget and everything running a new show and everyone will find a new friends with old friends together. I don't see any problem with this. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. Very, very true. To let kids start working it out. Yes. Okay, yes. thank you so much. You're very welcome. Bye. All right. All right. And who do we have next? Mrs. Y, you're on with Mordechai and Nissim. Hi, is that me? Yes, that's you. Hey, hi. Um, okay, question is like this. Um, I'm a teacher, like five, six-year-old girls, and I have one student that um, is having issues. Um, we'll get into issues soon, but this mother is like totally does not see it. She sees her at home. She sees it in the country. The teachers are... Um, you know, she was just telling me in the beginning of the year how bad the teachers were last year, that they were saying that she doesn't play with anybody, she plays by herself, and she doesn't have any confidence, and, like, all these stuff, and it can't be. Um, and in the beginning of the year, I didn't really see it that much because the grade mixed, and this kid came in by herself, so, like, it was normal the first few weeks she shouldn't play with so many kids. But as the year is going on, it's, it is a big issue, and this mother does not want to see it. She doesn't want to hear about it. She doesn't want to give her, like, a P3 or anything because it's going to hurt the child's self-esteem. Okay. We get the, we get the idea. We get the picture. Yeah. Now, what's your question? Um, so my question is now, I, I like, I spoke to my principal and other, like, people, and they're like, okay, just try to talk to her again, see what she says. Um, basically, the last time I spoke to her, she said, okay, like, let me see what I could do about it. She hung up. Like, is there anything I could do here? Should I do anything? Um, by now, I was thinking already, there's, it's almost the end of the year, and, you know, she's going to stay her daughter, not mine. You know, should I do anything? Or should I just let it go? And, and this mother's just going to say, well, my daughter has bad teachers every year because they say that she has problems and she doesn't. Well, I hear two questions over here. I hear, mm-hmm. number one, what do you deal with? What do you do when there is a uh, mother that does not see that her daughter has issues and she won't do anything, right? And you can't do anything. That When you try, she won't do anything. I hear a second question is, how do I, as a teacher, how do I deal with it when someone's going to have complaints about me in the future? Mm. Well, that really doesn't bother me. I mean, the beginning of the year did bother me because, like, I knew it's... I still have a whole year ahead of me now. I really... I don't care. (laughs) I I couldn't care less. Like, uh, I know I'm not a bad teacher, and... I, I like it. I know it's not my fault. Like, you know, like I could try to help this kid in school and whatever, but it's it's like this is it. Like whoever walks into the classroom and is there for ten minutes, it's very obviously sees that there is a problem with this kid. Okay. So now again, so, let's recognize, as a parent, as a teacher, as a mechanoch, as in any position that we do, we have limitations to our roles. And bottom line, the parents are the ultimate caregivers, and they have the right to take and to accept different choices. And now we need to make the parents responsible. What I've had is in the past, when a, ter- when a parent or a school felt something, and I've had a manal which gave me this bit of information, I really respected it. He had the parents, the mother, sign a paper and just writing it out saying, we are aware and we feel as a school behalf of the principal and the teacher, let's say your name and the teacher before, feel that your daughter needs P3, needs professional help, and you are hereby declining it. And if there are any issues in the future, you will not hold us responsible with what is happening with your daughter. And then you have them sign it. Mm-hmm. And that usually makes them responsible, have them think. 
And if they're still that confident that they're that that their kid is okay, then you've just done everything that you can. Right. We cannot force a parent, and maybe the parent will feel that the entire school is bad and out to get them because they might have other experiences, whatever their experiences are. And maybe her kid is not right for the school. I, I don't. I don't even mean to take anyone's side. What I mean to say is that you need to take care of yourself. You need to. But go and work based on your assessment, on based on what you see, and you need that person aware of it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. Now, what do you think would happen if you tell that to the mother? We're not forcing you to take services. All we're saying is that we see your daughter needs professional help, and in the future we don't want you or your daughter coming back to us telling us that we didn't notify you. Right, so what I happen to have told her a similar thing this year, you know, like that issue. You know, it's not so bad now, but it's just going to get worse and worse. So she yeah. said, just, why are you worrying now? It's going to be in a few years. Like, well, worry that when it gets to it. Just don't worry for her. She doesn't exactly. have any problems. Exactly. So that's very similar. So now you can right. either accept that or mm. have something written. So now you're at ease. So from three, four years from now, you're at ease. Mm. You're comfortable. Right. But that's the exact concept. Right. Uh, okay. Very good. At least that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And again, just notifying, just reminding people that Merit Hashem, I will be doing a parenting workshop. It'll be four evenings. It'll be between two hours and two and a half hours for four evenings over two weeks. And the number to call up to sign up is 201-691-7626. 201-691-7626. And if you really would like to hear information about it, you can call up my hotline, which is 718-298-2011, and section 8 is where you'll have all the other information. Harav Nissen, who do we have next on air? Mrs. P, you're oh. on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, amazing. I, I'm, calling, I'm calling about something else, but I just wanted to tell you I got really triggered by the phone call before. Um, I was one of those kids, and I think <laughs> just to let those parents know that if you don't take care of the issues now when they're young, it's really going to be much, 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 much harder, and it's not fair to the kids. I agree. So now let's, since you're oh, one of those kids, God. hold on, stay on the line. I so appreciate that. What do you suggest no, as I teacher? Just wanted, I want to tell you, I, I sent you an email about the living orphan. I want to make sure you got it. An email about what? Um, uh, my interview about a living orphan. About the living orphan. That was the article that was in... in, in the shopper. In the shopper. Yes, I got it. It was huge. It was great. Okay, so that's basically, I just wanted to make sure you got it. Yes, I got that. Thank you. I just wasn't sure what to do with it. I thought it would be like a little something I can read, but it ended up being like 10 pages. Right. Yeah. Right, that was a difficulty. But yes, but by the way, I'd like you to be, so, since you're on the phone line, can you help us out? What do you suggest yeah. now a teacher does? You know your parents now. What are the chances they would have listened to a teacher or they would have said, your daughter's got issues? Well, they don't. Um, hey, there's a lot of I noise just, in the background. Do you notice that? What is that sound? It's my baby. I'm sorry. Oh, that's adorable. I also I have a I think six months by yeah, now. Yeah, she's just doing cute sounds. Um, right. Yeah. Let's recognize. Look how look at probably what a teacher is stuck with. What is a teacher I, supposed I, to I do? I hear where they're coming from. I just I, I'm coming from another point. No, we got you. Let's I, focus on solutions. We're not blaming. 
What is a teacher supposed to do where a parent is going to fight them? Nothing. She's doing what she's supposed to do. It's very, very sad. It's really, ah, really, 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 now you really got it. Sad. So now let me let me offer with you a suggestion that I would make to family members. If you have a brother or a sister that has major issues and they're having children and the children are having issues, maybe call up and get involved. Ask the husband, ask the wife. If you care about the kids, know that the kids are suffering. No, the kids will suffer later on. The kids will need at least guidance. Take them out. Have them at your house at least for Shabbos. Give them one peaceful, happy place. Let them know that there's potential. This person that has called up that was now on the line has a magnificent story, but the pain that they've gone through, the growths that they have gone through to get where they've gotten through and going to therapy and everything else that's needed, it's a powerful, powerful person. But if they would have a peaceful person, someone there as a guiding light, maybe you can't do much when the parents are so are are that not healthy but as a relative as a teacher you could be there and at least recognize if you've got especially if you're in the high school year teachers for the boys or for the girls know that offering to be a lending ear know that if you see that there's an issue you want to speak to me you want to open up you can open up you can speak to me the older teenagers you're able to have guidance counselors in the school and if the kids have got issues they do not have to get the parents consent for that so they can at least speak to a therapist in the school or open up but just be that be that person there be that person that the person can speak to open up tell them that there is light there is hope out there sometimes even after they graduate they'll go i, sp I have people calling me up who do i speak to? they go you know something i had a teacher that was i was very close to three four years ago I, you think i could give them a call and i go yes especially for boys they go i had a rebbe that i was close to six seven years ago i have people now calling me up and they got questions you know what i could speak to my rosh yeshiva they haven't been in their yeshiva for over 10 or 15 years Let's recognize that us, the leaders, and leaders I mean aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents, teachers, rebellion, we have such a strong power. Open up that door. Just use those words. Kids know if you need me, I'm there for you. Open up. Let them open up. And don't attack them. Be the listening ear. You will see such a change, such an availability. Harvinison, what do you say? It's no question. You know, what this is, we are always saying about the awareness and this is our duty. I think that, uh, as, as you say, leaders, teachers, and uh, Zaidi, Jido, uh, whatever you call it, just, you can just see the kids, you know, just the soul of the kids and give them a hug, give them some smile, give them some uh, ear, you know, to listen to their problem. And I believe that it will give them the safe haven, let's say like this, that in their soul, to find the, the way later, because you become the role model. I'll tell you, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I, I was invited to certain smachot uh, last week, and the guy told me that he he called me my my rabbi. I was a little bit embarrassed, you know, but it's it's funny that, uh, you know, people look, you know, it's it's a smile. I had, I had sometimes, you say good word to, to a kid, and later, this is after, after a few years, you find that this, sentence is basically stamped in his brain and gave him the courage to continue and this is the something that to uh, everyone has, has to be nice especially in these days you know we are omer and we have to find ourselves extra nice and extra working upon our midot to love each other and give them love and then unfortunately you know we find sometimes that we don't do it like this but it's given a, a big korban of the kids. 
Talking about this, I'd like to also thank the JRU's radio for they have a program here Thursday nights run by Bornstein called the Kishroni Hour. And I have my son, and basically what that is is kids, boys and girls from the different ages to go bring out their Kishroniness, their talent. And I got my son to volunteer to do that, and he has like a, a two-minute speech that he reads, and it's about the political news that's happening. And it's beautiful. He has to practice. He has to speak. He's on the radio. There's a smile on his face. And there's like, again, along these lines about having kids build up, just like there's negative out there. Teachers, what can we start bringing in our kids getting involved? Mordechai, uh, this is one of the show, but we have the, the highlight of this, the, what do you call the the the, uh, the parasha wizard of uh, uh, the two kids, the brilliant kids from Avi and Yudah. Yes. And you see all the kids around, you know, this is one of the things that the, yeah. in the concert, kids and parents approach me about, it's a beautiful idea that kids basically starting to build up. And this, all all about J. Root Radio. That's right. This is like the radio that listen to you and you, you, you listen, it's it's your radio. It's not, uh, it's not us, it's your radio. And I think that the kids is our future. It's our next generation. And if we uh, treat them like like a diamond and polish them the right way, they will shine all over the world. Yes. Yes. And it's beautiful. Who do we have next on the line? Okay. So we're going to uh, Miss L. Miss L. Yeah. Hi. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Fantastic. Yes. Hi. Um, I want to know, um, I have a relative that I have a very big suspicion that she might have, like, OCD or something, and I'm very close to, to the family, and I know that her mother would, would gladly accept whatever I say and would go for help or whatever, and she would trust me that, that, that you know. So I'm wondering if, if, if I should say something or if my suspicions are correct or something like that, like what, what I should do, because it's really getting out of hand. Well, first it sounds like you're saying you're suspicious, you don't know, and now you're saying it's getting out of hand, so... I, I'm No, it's something that I've been noticing over the years, and lately I've been really, really thinking that it might just be OCD, or something like that. Okay. Um, huh. Why do you think it's OCD? Well, I'm not. I can't really go into all the details. All right, but so this I don't girl know becomes what obsessed to over 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 certain things, like very very obsessed, and doesn't stop talking about it, and doesn't stop obsessing and, and looking, and and like for for, for could be for two years straight. Well, how about you bring that up to their mother then? So so that's what I'm saying. Do do I have like a? Well, I don't know. You see, when you use the words OCD and things like that, that I'm sounds. I'm not. I'm not saying like I'm. I'm not. A, I can't diagnose people. I'm just saying I, I so think something. So let's let's work this out. So let's work this out. Pretend I'm the mother. What would the phone call look like? Um. Yeah, that's what I try doing with you now. Go ahead. So if you would be so, the parent, this is what I'll tell you. You know, I. I, you know, or, or you'll make up to meet somewhere, you'll go over, let's say Shabbos, and Shabbos afternoon you'll say, you know, I'm the same age as your daughter. And I just noticed that she always talks the last two years about this one subject over and over and over. And I was thinking, if I, I was thinking that I was a little concerned. If I say something, you know, it, it might be nothing. On the other hand, if I don't say something, it might be something. So I'm just telling you right. the last two years, this and this is what she's discussing. And now why don't you go ahead and look into it? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so the question is, if if I, if if let's say, do I have to raise it because maybe the mother noticed it already? Or have to? How should anyone know what? We're giving you an option. 
I won't right. tell you anything to do. I never tell anyone what to do. Only myself. Right, but is it a, a, a preferred... Is it like of a, course it is. Maybe they don't notice it. Maybe the cousin feels comfortable just opening up to you or just sharing with her friends. Right. Uh, let's okay. take it one step further. Are you ready for the price of when a girl opens up to the mother? And if there is an issue, generally, if the girl won't want to deal with it, she might blame you. Uh, I'm ready. I, I don't know. I really want to help her. That's the thing. Excellent. The question is, are you ready for the price? I just want you to be aware of everything. And the price is generally the person that sounds the alarm will get blamed. There's a famous saying in English, don't shoot the messenger. Right. And that's the concept that what? The messenger is the one that's doing the right step, informing people there's an issue. And many times they get hurt. I get that many times as a the therapist. Mordechai Weinberger created the whole problem. I go, really? Then why do you think they came to my office? <laughs> but the many times the people like to deny it, and then they go, oh, we didn't see the symptoms. That's right. You didn't see it. But it got so bad that they said, you know something? We can only go to whatever it is, and we're ready to need for a therapist. And many times it gets worse when you're going to therapy or at least family members start seeing how bad it is because the therapist got them to be open and to recognize that. So again, I want you to recognize I'm a huge believer in being open with family members because at least you know you did the best. You'll be able to sleep at night, even if someone's angry at you. But if you did the right steps, you can sleep at night. That's my theory. And that's usually what I would do. Yeah, On the okay. other hand, you still need to be aware of the price. Right. I, I don't think she'll be mad at me because, you know, we're, I'm pretty close to the family. And, and, okay, but she and still I think might they'll be. take me seriously. Well, but if, if she wouldn't be mad at you, not saying that she will be, why didn't she discuss it with her parents? Maybe she herself doesn't realize that she has a problem. And you've never told her that it's an issue over two years? No. Well, that's also one step to do, by the way, to be open with her. Tell her I'd like you to know. Or maybe tell her, can I can tell her, you know, can I speak to you and your mother together? this way it's not going behind her back you're open you'll tell you know the last two years you've been discussing this and it's getting a lot more intense it's much easier if you could do it in front of your friend as well this way or your cousin this way it can be discussed she'll say no it was nothing you'll say but i just talked to friends and no one mentions this issue as many times as you do right so if it's preferred if it could be that open and that saved the best is for you to have her mother and her over there right Thank you so much. You are very welcome. It's very brave of you to call up and to ask Emirates Hashem. You know, working on it, making an awareness and getting help right away can make huge changes and shifts all over. Okay, thanks. Thank you're welcome. We disconnect Mrs. P from the beginning, so she oh. won't ask. Okay, Mrs. P, you're on again with Mordechai. And oh, sorry, I got disconnected. I just wanted to tell you that people might not believe what people have to say. Like, I, I people thought I was going off the deck. All my pain, I used to tell people. And I just thought, people, my, everyone thought it was just, I was going off the deck. Instead of looking at it, she's full of pain, and there's so much more to her. I did not mean to be bad or rebelling. It's just, I was so full of it. Good. So since we got that. you, I'd like to thank you for that information. So let's assume someone's got a kid, and the kid is trying to no go... No kids are trying to be bad. I'm a teacher. 
and that one kid tries to be there. When you pinpoint, I love talking to kids. Go ahead. I want you to say it again. This is music to minor of Nissen's ear. Say it again. So let me ask the question again. Nobody needs to be there. Not one kid was born trying to be there. They just need attention. They need love. And I always tell them what's really, really bothering you, and then they'll talk. So now what should a parent do? Hold on. There's a kid starting to act, wanting to change the clothing, doesn't want to go to school, wants to smoke, wants this and that. What would you tell that parent? I would have to find them the right help that somebody could really help them. Maybe I won't have this. So no, maybe okay, I don't before have we get to tool. professional help first, what's the message? I'm, I'm, I'm leading you on. I'm really feeling That feeding. you're there, that you're there for them and you care about them and that they could tell you whatever it is. And, and, and that the kid is talking from pain. There is something that is bothering them. No kid is going to want to go off the derach unless something no. is bothering them, right? There is major, yeah. I just and maybe I they don't feel safe. That. That's right, and maybe they don't feel comfortable opening up to you. So get them to someone else, and if not to the second person, get them to the third one. Right. Yes. Thank you for that. That is so important. That message, so so important. Thank you. I just feel like there's so much suffering that did not have to really be caused, but it's just. So, so many people do not know better. So I, I want like you to know that. to know better. Exactly. And that is the goal of this program, to create and the awareness. as a teacher, yes. you might think that, oh, they're just this and it's just that. But it's, you know there's something much, much deeper. Yes, Rav Nissen, what do you say? I want to say that uh, as a, you know, the teachers, as, as a special duty to segregate their own mind about their own opinion about the parents, and this is very important. I, I, it's very difficult as a human being to to separate the opinion about the parents and not to, to put it on the kids. It's very, very something very dangerous. And I saw it a lot of times that kids falling because the teacher thinking about the parents, good or bad. And this is a, a, very, it's a very good uh, you know uh, point that you said that the, the teacher has to be as much as possible objective and look at the kids as, as a, another soul that's saving and raising up uh, furthermore. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Take all right, care. you're welcome. Excellent. Thank you for calling in. And the uh, number to call in, really, all lines are full. That's all right. Uh, so we have Miss um, S. Miss S, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hello? Yes. Hi, um, thank you for taking my call. I'm honored. Um, um, so, I have like a queen of the class in my class. Say again, you have a what in your class? You have a? Queen of the class. Queen of the class, yes. And it really like disturbs me, like, I really like, I really like don't like it, because like, um, like a lot of times, like, everybody follows her wherever she goes, and like she divides the class into teams, and like, whenever like we're speaking like, all together, and like she, she would see it like quiet, and everybody would like be quiet, and like, I don't like it. I feel like, like, well, why should you be the one? And like, then she starts a whole fight. And so I, I didn't get you that clearly. What does she do that's the issue? The issue is why is she the queen, or is the issue that she doesn't let you be involved? What's the issue? Um, the issue is that, like, mm -hmm. that, that, it makes me feel, I can't, like, 
left out. Okay. Now, that's a great question. So let's take out the question about a queen in the class, and let's leave it as a general question. What do you do when you're in a class and you don't have any real good friends, and you see other ones that have a great friend of clicks? What can you do? Um, I would, like, try, you know, like, 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 go, like, like, try to make a friend with them. Excellent. That's step one. But hold on. Let's take it a step further. Do you realize what happens that there are three friends, let's say, that they're together a click, and you can have another 20 girls in the class, let's say 17 other girls in the class, and all everyone is now looking at is how do I hook up to those three people that are a click? And what people are missing is there are 17 other girls. You know how many other clicks you can make of three girls? And I don't want to use the word clicks. I don't enjoy the word click. It's more like uh, a secluded group that we don't let others in. But how about okay. groups of friends? You can have out of 17 girls, let's assume it's 16 or 18. You can have, you do the math. What times three equals 18? Um, three times six. You got it. You can have another six groups out there. And you could even have one or two groups where you'll have four or five girls in there. So instead of trying to kiss up or to connect to the queen group, make your own. You have six possibilities, minimum of six to make. I, um, I did think of that. And, uh, I, uh, like, Okay, I'm going to try it, and I tried it, and then I was like, but like the Queen's group is just like much more active. And That's like, it. You're looking at them and not looking at your power. That will always happen anytime we try to do that. If I look at my house where I'm living, because my dining room windows are open and I look, I don't see my house, the beauty of the outside of my house. I see the beauty of the outside house, the one across the street. Mm-hmm. If you want to be able to appreciate what you have, you need to go across the street and you'll see how those queen groups are going to be looking at your group saying, look at what you do. Okay. It's grass is always greener on the other side. My suggestion to you is let's stop trying to everyone get into the same group. Everyone wants to be in that same shul with the same group, with the same job, with the same businesses, with the same you know, dressing the same type of clothing. We're all saying, and when I'll be exactly like that queen group that they're allowed or I'll be happy. And how many times do we get into that group and we're miserable? The goal is let's recognize, let's learn from them that three girls are a group. I've got an option to make six different groups. That's where the power comes from. Harvnissen, what do you say to that? Smiling from ear to ear. It took me back 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I was I was the officer in my unit, and my unit was all the crazy, crazy uh, soldier, but very talented. Yeah. I went to the market. I bought a special cas red and strips, a cascade. Yeah. With uh, red and uh, white strips. And this is my was my unit uniform, and even yeah. <laughs> and everybody was so proud. And all the, all the soldier was my soldier was so proud to be part of this, and it's become like everybody want to come to the units now. So, you know, even this was this soldier was really really how do you call it? Mufraim was uh, yeah, highly intelligent, but, uh, but not but behaved not, like not wild, behaved, you know, wild. Yeah. But uh, it's you create you create your own group. You create you know you, you I don't know you call you the S S group and you know just and that's you right. See, you see what uh, what you can build you build a new 
uh, structure. That's right. Makes sense? Um, yeah. Excellent. So that's why I tell people, let's stop busy fighting and trying to get into one group and we're trying to get in and we might not even belong there. Let's make our own group. And when you're happy, you don't mind what's going on in other places. Right. Excellent. Thank you for that question. So brave of you. Okay, thank you so much for your advice. You're welcome. Thank you. Sure. We have uh, Miss R from Israel. Miss R from Israel. Wow. Hello, Miss R. Hello, Mrs. R. Hello? Mrs. R, yes. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to thank you so much for everything you do, um, all your insights and awareness that you share with the world. Very special. Thank you. I'm honored, and I'm doubly honored that you're calling all the way from Eretz at this late hour. Yeah, I'm working, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to ask about a, per- a personality trait in life, um, how to find the balance in it. Okay. Maybe it's not like this. Um, I... Is there a way to get the phone a little closer to you? This sounds like either an echo, like I'm raising it very high over here. Is there anything you can do on the phone on your part? Um, yeah, I'll try. Um, one second. Is this better? Uh-huh. No, it's sort of the same. Okay. One second. Let me see if I could try to change it. But um, I wanted to know um, how to differentiate between emotional needs and, um, like... In your idealism. That's a fancy word. Between emotional needs and? Like, in the inner idealistic drive. Uh, say that again. Inner? One second. Idealism. Um, like, you know, when you... Okay, let me, let me say a little more. Um, when you, like, when you grow up in a big sacral setting... They're given a very idealistic way of living. Sure. Correct? Yes. And um, then you get married and you have children. And, um, like, I find that a lot of my decisions in life are more, like, idealistic. And then afterwards, I realize um, practically and emotionally, it doesn't fit in. Ooh, that's very dangerous. Because I would like to rephrase that, that... Here is where we adults stop connecting to our Rabbanim and our Rebbitsons, which clarify it. So what I would say is, as a teenager, you heard the theories and the concepts, but you didn't practice it. All of a sudden, now you're married. No, I did. No, no, what, I, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I know you practiced it as a teenager, but a lot of them was not applicable. So let's take an example. If someone is taught that she wants her husband to sit and learn, and now they're married for seven years, and now he's got to go out to work. And now she's feeling cheated. How could that be? It's not right. What's wrong? What did I do wrong? And I know several times where these girls or the husbands would then speak to their Rabbanim, and their Rabbanim would then give you, well, now this is what you need. Or sometimes the Rabbanim would tell tell them, no, don't go out to work. Push through. What I would like you to recognize is that the idealism that you were taught and reality are one. Just you're not actually practicing. A lot of the theories aren't practiced until you're married or you're in different situations. That is when we need to go back to those teachers and to connect, which unfortunately many of us don't. We just start saying the system doesn't work. It's not true. I mean, I I have a different, a little different question. Like, for example, like something simple like buying a couch, right? 
Yeah. I could think to myself, well, we have, it's fine. Why do we need anything newer? And then, and sit there hemming and hoeing until finally buy it, and I regret it, and then finally realize, oh, it's really nice. Like, I really do enjoy it. But I was all into the thing, I mean, we stopped it, and I'm like, why do we need something fancier? And it could go to, to things that we need more. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, something like... That's like right. So let's clarify. So let's take your question again. Black. So let's take your question again. So you were a teenager. You heard a drasha. You heard a speech. And mm -hmm. I'm going to share with you. I'm not going to say the name, but I, I, I was involved once in a couple where they heard the, the drasha of a rav. And the rav quoted a certain gemara. And then the husband quoted the gemara to the wife. You see, my job is so much harder than yours because that's what the rav said. So the wife, which had a little guts, called up the Rav and said, how could you give such a drasha publicly and say so-and-so? First of all, he said, this person took it exactly out of context. I meant the exact opposite. That while husbands work so hard to recognize, we can understand now what the wives go through and we can help them. What I would mm -hmm. like you to recognize again is when you hear a drasha about Mastapik Bumuit and all of those levels, that is a public speech which is in general. But when you now contact that teacher and say, but this is my nature that I enjoy things, how does that work? And then you've got the concept mm -hmm. of Zek Heli Van Veyu, where you're supposed to, where there's a, there's a mitzvah of Hidur mitzvah. And different people right. based well, on different natures. There are tshuvas all over. The Noi be Yehuda about is a wealthy person allowed to use his money, and they go into the opposite. If a wealthy man does not use his money, he will not be giving tzedakah either. So I need you to recognize what you were given was general information. Now, when you might find it clashing, now is where you need to individualize it. Would you do, would you sort of give your kids medication based on a concept that your doctor told you when you were six years old? Or will you take your kid no. to the doctor and get it individualized? So now let me ask you, all these yeah. questions that you have, did you go back to the teachers, to the seminaries, or to your husband's rub and ask these questions of them? Oh, well, it did, but I just thought that Oh, I, I, no, I, I don't sound like I hear, really heard that I did. Did you ask a teacher or a machanach in the last year, let's take the last year, yeah. your questions that you have. You were taught one concept, and now you're finding your natures are a little bit different. Did you work it out with a real machanach? We spoke to somebody, and that's why we went ahead and did what we did. But I'm just saying that... Wait, so what's the problem? Hold on. Let's still finish the first step. So you spoke to the machanach... <laughs> And the Machanuch and the Rav gave you the guidance. Now, why are you confused? Because at the end of the day, it, like... Your inner guilt is still eating you up. Exactly. Great. So like, now you go example, back to that uh, Rav, and is, now you share with that Rav. I have an inner guilt that's eating me up. I got information. Yeah. I didn't understand it correctly. And now this new information that you're giving me is clashing with my information. And then the rub will tell you the information you understood originally was wrong. Right. No, but that's not what I'm trying to say is that I have several instances in life where this thing repeats itself that I feel like my idealism, I think of my idea of being, you know, like my idealism overrides my emotional needs and I don't address my emotional needs and that's why I make bad mistakes. So now can we change your sense. question? You see, here's normally what I would have a rub involved. I would have a rub involved okay. to say your issue is not a, a hashkafa question. I would now change your question to a psychological question. Yes, that's what I'm trying to get to. I don't think it's hashkafa. I think it's psychology. Great. So let's go ahead and I'll recognize your question. Your question is, 
that you know you need to make certain choices in life. You logically understand it. You know a certain way of thinking is negative to you, and you're not able to change it. What do you do? Correct? Your circle, wait, what was the, the circle of thinking? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. No, no, that you have a logical way. You understand what's a healthy way of thinking. You know right. what you should be doing, and you're not able to get out the negative programs that you're still thinking. True. Yep. Excellent. Now, that is, there are many different methods of therapy that we use for that. There's one method called mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy. Those are one, st mm -hmm. that's one step. That's cognitive thinking. That's changing your thoughts. That's using a behavioral um, component to reinforce the new thought patterns. Part of it is with a paper writing it down. Part of it is telling yourself several times a day. I choose to think differently. When I have those negative thoughts, I will tell myself these thoughts are wrong. When I tell, when mm -hmm. I get into that idealistic thought, I can go that idealistic thought isn't real. It's idealistic, but it's not grounded. Mm -hmm. I am in a grounded body. I'm in a human being. Mm -hmm. And that's one mm -hmm. step. Then there's a lot of the subconscious work, the inner language, which is what are the languages you heard from your family? What's the subconscious messages? You got to be perfect. You got to push yourself. If you don't do more than right. you're nothing, you're worthless. And then many times we need mm -hmm. to change the inner voice, that inner language is a different method of therapy than cognitive behavioral therapy. And uh -huh. that's more the subconscious type languages, where that comes from. That's Someone wrote over here a beautiful cognitive response to you. She probably has a guilt <laughs> differentiating between wants and needs. These are all great logical thoughts, which is... You might want a lot of things, but it's not what you need. Needing is grounded. I happen to have heard mm -hmm. this concept of want and needs beshamed several rabbis, and one of them I just so recently is beshamed the Lubavitcher rabbi, that he said Hashem gives mm -hmm. us everything that we want. We get ourselves depressed. I'm sorry, but Hashem gives us everything that we need. We get depressed when Hashem isn't giving us what we want. Mm -hmm. But I've heard this verse from several Gedalim, but I just saw it literally a week or two weeks ago from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. But mm -hmm. let's get the concepts. There's a lot that's going on over there, but I just want you to realize you're in the same boat as everyone else in this generation. This generation where the, I want, I want, and I'm stuck, and we have to recognize, even myself, I can share it with you, that I, I shared at the beginning of the of this program, that Art Scroll has could literally sent me today the message that they're going to the second printing. In four weeks, they sold out the entire printing. Do you know when I was thinking to myself how happy I should be, how excited it was, and instead I had about two, three negative thoughts, oh, this, and I'm not going to share publicly what they were, and then I had to tell myself, Mordechai, stop a second. Recognize that Art Scroll is like really the gold star impress in the Jewish world. It goes all over. It's been sold out. What were the chances that how many books go to print that aren't sold out? Within four weeks, they're going to a second printing. You're getting messages from people that are being helped right and left. And you still have, like you're still knocking yourself down. I'm sharing with you, this is what happened with me today. There's always oh. self-doubts that come and I want, I want, I want. And then we need to stop ourselves and ground ourselves. Mm -hmm. So you're normal. You're regular. Yeah. So are we all. The question is, are we able to ground ourselves or do we get stuck for months and months about what I want? And then we get depressed how I didn't get what I want. Then we don't appreciate what we don't want. Sometimes it's what uh, I yeah, don't Mr. Sass, you know, Rabbi Sasson, the, the one that was just speaking after the tragedy, what he was saying was like, on several points, like, let's just appreciate our kids. Can we stop a second yeah. and realize that we go home tonight and we go home to our kids? Oh, we're married, everything that we've got? 
We don't appreciate Chas Shalom, unfortunately, until we lose it. When they had that Hisar, that Yom Hisaris for the stories they had Rabbi Reisman sharing, that that same night there was a fire in another Jewish house, that Friday night, and those parents were originally disappointed about why did the house have to burn down, then unfortunately heard the other tragedies, they go, Baruch Hashem, oh, the kids are healthy. We need to recognize that what you're going through, I would say, is probably the greatest issue that we're dealing with in our generation today. Hashem has not just given us so much. Hashem has given us everything. You imagine today there's no such family that's really poor. And of course people don't have money. But everyone's got money. Or I should say everyone's got food for Shabbos. We've got a great organization, Tomche Shabbos. Do you know that pre-war Europe, people did not have food, period? You're starving. You didn't have breakfast, lunch, and supper. Today, kids go to school and the yeshivas give breakfast, lunch, and supper. Do we realize how much Hashem has given us? And yet we're busy complaining that we're not worth $10 million because we don't have names all over the buildings of schools in our name. I think I'm, my issue is a little bit less. Like, I don't want, like, not that first time I have to get more. I get nervous that I'm taking too much. It's the same but issue. It's the same idea. It's the same idea, just reversed. One is I want more and I'm right. not happy with it. Yours is you can't enjoy what you got. Yeah, because I'm too scared that I'm getting too much. Too much, yeah. and then comes in all those other thoughts, the negative thoughts come in, maybe it'll take away from right. from Ganadin, maybe you're getting right, paid exactly. off on this world. I mean, our brain beats us up, but it's it's all the same concept yeah. about we're just not at ease, we're just not at peace with what we have. We can't say thank mm-hmm. you. I once heard a great, uh, I think I saw it from Abshim from Pincus, where he says, imagine the Rabbi Nishlalem gives us everything, and instead of saying thank you, Hashem, we're going, Hashem, no, 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 you gave me this, don't give me this again. And then he goes, you give me this, I want this a little bit differently. He says, imagine you're the parent, how do you feel? And right. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, I'm just not sure from Bavigda Miller. Listen, what are you saying? <laughs> it's reminded me that I spoke about the Israel, they left Egypt, and a few days after the clear day, they start complaining about the man, what kind of taste, all this stuff. And it took me a while to, to, to give it some kind of uh, sense to this. Because when you have a, a, a rich father and <laughs> you give you the, the Lamborghini or the, and start driving in the highway and suddenly you're stuck without gas, you don't take your own money from your pocket. <laughs> you go, Abba, forgive me the money. I don't I want not going to pay. But this is true. As parents, we see that uh, we, <laughs> we, the kids come to us and they don't, they're not, they, they add the sheep and the midbar. You know, and this is the, they, yeah. they have everything. They could you eat them, but no, no, no. You want that the father give him. And the question like this, I, I want to say the differences between Jewish and non Jewish, and especially between the Western and the Eastern society that uh, we are, you know, if we're thinking about the Eastern society, they, they have the monks, the people that basically close themselves in the, in the monastery and they the worship the, the singles, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, only the, the spiritual. And the, the Western, it's only the physical, the, you know, the physical. But yeah. the Jewish, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give us a body to enjoy, give us things to enjoy. And this is the combination to be a Jewish person is to understand that we have a physical demand, we have uh, and physical uh, I would say obligation to our body and to our family. And yes, if you have, you have, you have, you have the option to get to buy a new, a new sofa and be uh, Mechabet Shabbat or be nice table, Shulchan Shabbat with all the chairs and all with the candelabra with the silver, enjoy it. Now, let me ask you one question. Based on your past, 
What was your yes. past family's beliefs about money? Very frugal. That's <laughs> I was it. Tense. That's my right. father was very um, spendthrift, and my mother was very frugal. Yeah. And that was the goody-goody. So. Yeah, exactly. And many times we're still stuck with those programs. And recognize, if it took you 10 years or 12 years to accept the program, give yourself 10 years to learn to balance it. Right. Slowly, slowly, slowly. But just recognize, there's Hashboys. Hashem has given such a magnificent, beautiful world. And we need to, as Rav Nissen said, get the balance between enjoying it, but yet not indulging in it, appreciating it, but yet not becoming um, a slave to it. And that's a balance which might take a lifetime to master. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for staying up so late and appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Thank okay. You. Rav Nissen, who do we've got next? We have Shloimi. Shloimi, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Are you on Shloimi? There's a kid. Uh, okay. All right. We'll go then to we'll the next go one. To, um, Mrs. W. Mrs. W. You're on. Hello. Yes. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Okay. Um, I have an eight-year, eight and a half-year-old son that he keeps on waking up in the middle of the night. Now it went over to my next son that also keeps on waking up, and they wake up. First question, is your eight-year-old son your oldest boy? My oldest, yes. Yeah, so I would really recommend that you wait for the parenting class that I'll be giving, and that's where we'll be addressing it, because all I'll tell you is it's normal, and it's normal, and you just need the tools how to do what to do with your kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that he, even if it went over to my next son, that he also does that? Of course, it's normal. That's called behavioral training. Yeah, the oldest one taught the second one. Sure. And he also, he can't fall asleep at night. Yeah, all this is normal. You just need the tools, the skills, how to do it. So you think I should call back the when you make that I'll program? call you. I'll give you now the number to call up. I'm doing now the workshop. I'll give you the number to sign up. I, I took the number before. It's Great. 69176626. Yeah, 201-691-7626. Yeah, so it's for, for four weeks, and there's a charge for that? It's not going to. It's going to be four evenings. It's going to be over over two weeks. And, yes, there is going to be a charge for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the details, you can call up and speak to the person. Yes, that is skills-based. That's about 10 hours of information. And the master will go to Jairut. Ezras Hashem Yisbarach, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got okay, it. It's skills-based. The parenting issues are mostly skills-based. It's not something I could just tell you it's normal. It is normal. But now what do you do about it? you got to stop right. it. And that's skills-based. So I guess so then you'll give ideas of what to of do. Of course. Of course. Of course, Merz Yes. Mm-hmm. When is it starting? All the details call up. That's not what I'd like. It's going to start next Wednesday, April 22nd. Okay. Excellent. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Shloimi. Shlaimi, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi. Hi, Hello? Hi, No, we, hello, Shlaimi, we don't hear you. All right, we're going to go to next and leave it. All right, Harav Nissim. Hello? Hi. Hello? Yes. Hi, my name is I'm scared of fire. Because how, how old are you? Nine. Nine, and you're scared of fire. Why are you scared of fire? Because my brother has a lot of flies. 
Can you? It's not clear. I, I tell you. First of all, we ask the permission of the parents. Okay. Yeah, we uh, got the parents' the permission. permission, and uh, he was waiting so long. So, uh, um, uh, Shlomi, could you could you get another phone? Your phone. There's something an issue with your phone. Could you call from a landline? From a wired phone. Sounds like either you're calling from a cell phone or something else. Okay. No, no, better no. All right, let's try it now. Let me try one more time. I can't hear you. Okay. I can't hear you. So try to call from another. My mother is calling from my cell phone. Your okay. mother's calling from a cell phone. Okay. Okay. So when she calls, we'll pick up and we'll put you right on. Let's hold on, okay. everyone. Okay. So we have Mrs. C. You know, let's see if there. Uh, let's see if that's the mother calling in. Let's just see if we'll transfer. We'll hold on a second because the boy Hi, held now. a long time. Hold on, Mrs. C. Just hold on. Is that the mother? Oh All right, Mrs. Hello. C, hold on. We're going to go to Shlaimi's mother, to Shlaimi. All right, Shlaimi, so take... Yes. I'm scared of fire. Okay, so why are you afraid of fire? Because of fire from Flatbush. And when I go to sleep, I don't can, I don't can, to go, I can't sleep. Okay. Now, so you're nine years old, and you got afraid to go to sleep from the, from the fire that happened in Flatbush with the with the Sassoon family. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now let me ask you: Did you have fears and a hard time going to sleep before the fire with the Sassoons? Yeah. Yeah. How? What were your fears then? Then because brother had a lot of fires. Your brother had a lot wires. of fires? What? Wires. Your brother had a lot of wires. And what were you worried about the wires? Because um, by night, he, he plugs in everything for the tape cutter. Yeah, and what were you worried about? I stood if, if it's going to cut off and and then if it's gonna happen if I'm gonna sleep yeah and how long are you afraid of these wires and, and stories like that of at night I don't know you're afraid six months a year it's two years you're afraid to go to sleep are you afraid four years many times kids are afraid and they're sleeping in their parents bed for many years how two long months. are you afraid it's only two months that you're afraid of the nights? Yeah. Until then, you're able to go to sleep very easily? I just want to be sure that I'm getting the full information. Yeah. So it's two months that you have a problem going to sleep. Till then, and till the rest of the time, you're able to go to sleep easy. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to two months ago. What do you think happened two months ago? I didn't scared, and then I'm... Brother plugged in all the wires, and then I scared. It started with the wire, with what? And it plugged, and I scared from the wires. Okay. Oh. You know what? I'll tell you something. Like I'll, I'm trying to do this gently and nicely. I'm a little concerned that there's more stuff over there, but let, you know, let's give it a shot two minutes. 
Close your eyes, and what could give you the reassurance that at night that you could feel safe? That my mother's sleeping Good. So could you close your eyes and imagine that your mother is sleeping in your room right now? Yeah. How do you feel? Good. Good. Now what I'm going to ask you to do is, Imagine before you go to sleep that your mother is there next to you. Okay. How would you feel if you could imagine that? Good. Good. And from 1 to 10, how strong do you feel safe if you just imagine your mother next to you? Not so good. I was going to ask you now, if you imagine your mother next to you, are you worried about wires? No. Are you worried about a fire in the house, Chas Shalom? Yeah. Even if your mother's next to you? No. Good. So what I would like you to do is if you can close your eyes just for about now 10 seconds and imagine your mother is next to you at all times. You could either imagine she's invisible, that no one sees her, but she's next to you. You could imagine that she's next to you. How would you feel then? Good. Okay. Now, if you can try tonight, just imagining that your mother's next to you. And sometimes it helps. Some people like if they have an item, like, um, I don't know, if you take your mother's pillow. But I really don't want that because that's too much. More just the imagination. Just feeling that she's there. And if you ever need her, you could even speak to her. Like, imagine you're speaking to her and see how it works. Sometimes kissing the mezuzah is what a lot of people do. You you kiss the mezuzah three times. You say Krish. Excellent. And then you imagine your mother there. Let's see what happens there. Okay. All right. Sure. Okay. Harav Nissen, who do we have next? We lost Mrs. C. And we have right now Mrs. F. Mrs. F. You're on there with Mordechai and Nissen. Hello. Hi, how are um, you? First, thanks so much for your phone line. I really, really enjoy it and have gained so much. You're welcome. And your, um, the book also, I purchased it, and I'm reading it ever so slowly. And it's, it's really, I mean, the choice of wording. You can see that every word really has so much thought that went into it, and I'm really, really appreciating it. Thank you. Um, there was one piece in particular that really I felt like was talking to me, and that was about um, being stuck in a job that you you're there more because it's just like it's comfortable it's it's sort yes. of working for you yes. and you need to move so probably i would say for about two years i really want to leave my job i'm unhappy with the atmosphere the environment you know, let's take us let's stop a second first let's clarify what i wrote there because the way we the way it sounded someone might mm-hmm. take it out of context so the concept that we're sharing over there in the chapter was that many times we know we need to change. We know we've got to move on, but we aren't because we're afraid and not because we're comfortable. Once you're comfortable, you got to move. No, the Rabbi Shalom right. sends us our nasiyanis. It's when we know we got to move, we know we got to change, and because we're comfortable, we're afraid to make the change. And that was right, what we okay. discussed over in the chapter. Thanks. I just okay, wanted to just rephrase it. Yes. Right. So I think... Um, I guess that's where I'm a little stuck, is that on the one hand, I really feel like I am not growing in this position anymore. The atmosphere is just not, it's not one that I appreciate. Wait, who said you have to grow? 
Who said that? I, as a person, I need to, when I go to work, I need to feel like I'm constantly, like, growing and gaining and doing more. And somehow when it's just like such a, I would say like a, like a, like a very, more like a negative atmosphere, I, like I just, I can't thrive in such a place. Hold on. So that's why I want to change. That's what I'd like to recognize. And that's what's very important what we bring out in that chapter. That it's not, the words that I'm not growing and I need to change is also a very, I'm going to use the word American concept. It's a mm -hmm. little bit selfish. Like I use like the concept of the, like the plastics, like we just disposable. That is a problem. Yeah. Many times our Nisayan is to learn to stay in that job and that's our growth and don't change. Mm -hmm. I've got people telling me I'm married for five years and now I'm not growing anymore. Well, that's what commitment is about and responsibility. Or I have a kid, I got the excitement, now I don't want to de be a parent. That's mm -hmm. part of the role. Now, let's clarify your question. If I want to change the words that you're using, I hear you saying you're in a negative environment that's not good for you. It's not that you're not growing. Well, really, it's like both. It's the negative environment is not giving me a, like, I just come in and I don't have that geschmack to grow. Well, welcome it's to world. First, let's clarify. That's something that's extremely important that I bring into that chapter. I think it's eight or nine about slow and steady. We don't always feel the geschmack in life. We're not going to feel the geschmack in life. That's what separates the men from the boys. The teenagers, today's years, when I deal with teenagers, mm -hmm. almost all the teenagers are going, I don't feel it. I'm not enjoying it. I like the beginning of the year, but now I don't like it. And that's where marriage teaches you, and that's where raising kids teaches you, and we don't like it, and we continue. Mm -hmm. so, so this is really bringing me, like, I guess this is already part of the answer, maybe. So I keep thinking that I should really be leaving just because I don't, I don't enjoy the atmosphere. But on the other hand... How old? Can I ask roughly? Give me a five-year age that you're in. Are you between mid -30s. like... Mid-30s. The mid-30s. Yes, yeah, so I'm looking here for about 15 years. Good. That's where, that's where your question is having me doubting myself. You're in the mid-30s. I think you've mastered this concept, right? That you don't always enjoy everything that you do. Right. I've enjoyed it up until about two years ago. There was some, there was like a major overhaul in the staff. And it just, there was just like some major changes that I feel like this is not the place I want to be in anymore. But what's keeping me here is that because, I mean, this is where I am, my mid-30s, and my family really is my priority. I have a lot of flexibility and excellent work hours, and it's really, really working for my family, meaning it just, it has so many advantages that are enabling me to keep this job, whereas if I would look for a similar position or a different kind of a job, it would definitely affect my family. All right, so let me ask you a question, and I'll share with you a real open question about me, and I share my personal life, so let me share it with you. Mordechai Weinberger, about five, six years ago, said he wants to leave the therapy line. He's already helped so many OCDs, so many depressions. He's already gotten blessed by people. He's already been attacked by people. The issues are coming in over and over, and this isn't just me. This is anyone that's in any field for a while. Mm -hmm. What do we do? What did I do? How do I have such excitement, such interest in what I do? How right. do I enjoy every client that comes through my door? Mm -hmm. What would you say is the secret? And that's what we have in that chapter. That's the concepts in that chapter. Um, I was almost thinking of like switching to another, like a, the same job in another place, just like that's just one to option. Have a change. That's right. That's an option. What I found that works for me is doing exciting projects, like over here like mm -hmm. doing the radio. I did Sheeran before that for two years. Now I'm on the radio for two years. Now I'm mm -hmm. going to be going into a new phase of doing different lectures and different workshops. 
It's about when you can find excitement in one area in your life, it will affect everything else. But imagine mm -hmm. I would have left therapy six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. And we have people, we all know people that after five or ten years, they drop and they change fields. You cannot be a master in any way. That's the, that's the concept. That's the chapter. I got, I got over here the list of programs, actually, right here. So I can tell you, that's in the chapter, the slow and steady of chapter eight. Oh, so I'm only at the chapter six. That's so jump. I would recommend you jump. Go quickly. Just skim through. To, go right away to chapter eight about the slow mm -hmm. and steady. And there you'll see the 30-day graph right. about so, so the double. So basically, like... Like, but I keep every day, like, I just keep going back and forth, like, especially, like, this timing of the year when, you know, I find that those that are in certain settings need to make decisions for next year. Um, I just feel like every time I decide, okay, so I'm going to stay, then I have so many reasons why I should be leaving. And as soon as I decide that I'm, I should be leaving, I have so many reasons why I should be staying. How do I get to, like, the real truth? Like, what's really, what, like, what's really bothering me? In either way, and, and where I should really be going to. Like, I just find that the more I think about it, the more reasons I come up with, and the list just goes on and on. But so where do just, I stop? When do I know that I hit the truth? You won't, and only you can know that. And no one, no one can ever tell you what's the right answer. That's got to mm -hmm. be between you and yourself. And you got to make a chen and do a list. What are the pros? What are the cons? How will I feel if I do, if I stay there? How would I feel if I don't stay there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, you just, I don't know. It's that's right. Like a that's a decision. Which means at the same time, there's that chapter about when to say no. That's chapter five, setting boundaries. There's a time when you say, now I leave. And that's only mm -hmm. something, the one thing you need to realize is, if you won't have this job, how will you feel? How will it affect your life? If you do have your job, how will you do it? And if you want to feel alive and exciting, well, that's part of life. Somewhere along the lines, we lose the excitement, but we look, how else can we have excitement? So I've mm -hmm. always found doing various projects creates an excitement for me. Right. So meaning it could be out of the job. Out of the job. Sure. And then the job is there just for the purpose no, of... No, no, no. You missed it. Do I sound dead on the radio? Now no, when I'm no. speaking to you, no. If you speak to my clients, I'm pretty much alive there as well. If you speak to me in my house, I'm pretty much alive there. No, it's when you have a goal, when you have some excitement anywhere in your life, you, it then infuses your entire life with excitement, but remain consistent and steady. Mm -hmm. Okay, I hear. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I but can't I, give I, you want an answer. Right. You want a Navi answer. I want to know how you I'm going to know answer. that I reached the truth. You want that. That doesn't exist. Only you, you, that you want something that uh, I'm not allowed to give you. Mm -hmm. You want the answer at, let's say, in your mid-30s, what is the secret to every decision I will ever make to make sure it's the right decision? No one ever knows that. That's the point of a decision. No mm -hmm. one knows the future. The point is about doing the best educated, the best guess that you can. And one of the ways you do it is by thinking about it. How will I be if I really will have no work tomorrow? How, can, how easy is it realistic to get a job in another company the same position? How many hours will I have to be there? Is it really as bad? Or, may, or maybe I'm now working so many years in the same job and I do need to change. I need something more challenging. Maybe you do. But are you willing to put the effort into the more challenging? Means now your kids are much older than they were 12 years ago when you started this job. When you look at the whole picture, you might say, you know, this job is amazing, as I was sharing with the other person. Like, I couldn't believe it. Can I know our art school called me up and said, the Baruch Hashem, they've already finished the first printing. They're going to second print. 
But there were some negative thoughts in my mind. Oh, I wish this, I wish that, a whole bunch of stuff. I had to tell myself, stop a second, remind yourself. You got mm -hmm. into the to the greatest publisher in the from world. It's going all over, you know, basically from the greatest publishing out, systems out there. It's selling. People are buying it. People are getting better. I'm getting information mm -hmm. from worldwide, from England, from Israel over here. Stores are selling out right and left, and they're reordering and reordering. Right. I hear I hear what you're saying. What are you hearing? Now repeat. Me now I'm hearing what I'm hearing is that that maybe if if I would only focus on what I on some of the positives that I'm taking that I do have working for me in this job and I make the being able to stay in this job that should be the growth or I don't know if that has to be the only growth. Hold on, let's stop. Staying in the job is very good and very comfortable. And now when you're looking for growth, look for a new challenge in life. Maybe volunteer Shabbos and volunteer somewhere in the Bekar Chaylam for two hours. But I have plenty of, of Baruch Hashem, like very exciting challenges in my life. I think I don't need to look further. I just Well, need you to... are looking further. You are I just... saying, I need a new challenge. At work, in, in the work position. Ah, so now what part of what you're saying is you need every area of your life has to have a challenge. Uh, yeah. How about you could just relax? <laughs> How about just enjoy a little bit? You know, I got some clients of mine that would love to share with you a little. Just a little bit of manucha. Right, I guess I, I hear that, but yeah, that's not going to happen so fast. <laughs> well, then maybe learn to slow down. Maybe your life, maybe your lesson is exactly the opposite. Stop needing excitement and drama in everywhere you go and learn to accept peace. Remember, the bracha of the Rabbi Shalom is shalom. The Rabbi Shalom is only found where there's peace. Many people are into drama all the time. Maybe we need to learn to create just calm. Mm -hmm. Wow, stable. Peace, water is so calming, it stays in one place. So the waves, you just watch it go back and forth, the consistency. Mm hmm right, I hear. Listen, what do you say to that? There's always drama around his life. What do you say? <laughs> no, you just said water. That water is the most highly explosive material. Okay. Two of them, you know, H2 and hydrogen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hydrogen and oxygen, highly explosive. And when you come, you connect, the, you get the most calming stuff in the world. This is the Shlemut. This is perfect. This is how to to be perfect. To take this uh, highly explosive material and combine it together and be happy with this. This is the real peace. Yeah. Right. I hear. Okay. So I guess. Um, right. I, I guess if I do choose to end up staying, it doesn't mean that I'm stuck at comfort level. It's just that it's a it's a conscious ch choice to stay there because, you know, for whatever reason, I'm using that as the growth, or I'm just going to be happy with less drama. Yes. Meaning it's not that I'm stuck in a position. That's right. Right. Yeah. And this is a whole new chapter in your life. This is an entirely new chapter in your life about life without drama, life with peace. Thank you for your call. I appreciate that. We just got over here a message about the parenting course, and that's cute. This one over here. I took the course a few years ago. I recommend everyone who wants to raise a calm, warm, and yet disciplined house, which kids will listen with understanding and love, should take the course. I am still reaping positive fruits, concepts from those fundamental tools. Summertime is arriving in Bachshan. We're making nights smooth and easy. Thank you. That's beautiful to still hear that those, this is, I haven't done it in a couple of years, the workshop, and it still has had that powerful effect. Yes, it's very, very behavioral. 
We have a very, first of all, a request from the lady that was waiting for a long, long time. I know that you send it to the parenting course, but she asked if you can just summary some of the idea of the parenting. Miss, Mrs. W. Yes, Mrs. W. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm calling back, but I called you before about the eight and a half year old that keeps on waking up at night. Sure. I'm not sure I'll be able to listen to your course next week. I wanted to know if you can give me like a small drop in the bucket. Sure, let him cry. Let him cry. The thing is, he comes into my room and he lays down on the floor. That's it, that's it, we're not there. You want tools that takes about four weeks, which means four different times to practice and to master. I can't give that to you. The words are, train him, prepare, let him practice over and over. When he falls, go ahead and repeat with him what should do better the next time. And then you're going to uh, and let him cry. Okay, fine. Do you understand how complicated that was? You're going to tell me every reason why it's not going to work. No, he doesn't cry. He just comes into my room, lays down on the floor and goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. And what do you think other parents do? You think you're the only kid that your child's the only one? What do you think other parents do? I don't know what other parents do. It's skills-based. So if it's skills-based, I can't do that without the information, without the ability to train you step one. Then mm-hmm. you, hear the, you have the success. We know the mistakes. I know ahead of time. If I tell you, out of the 10 parenting courses that I've given, everyone has asked the same questions after parenting course one. After parenting course two, everyone asked the same question saying how it got better. And then everyone asked us, I would say, I shouldn't use the word everyone. Most people then had the second questions following up on that. Then you give the skills for skills base two. Then they go to the third one, which already 80% of the parents got it. And then almost half the people then have those questions. And then till we get to parenting course four. Mm-hmm. So it's skills-based. Skills-based means you need to learn. You need to get up. You need to fall. You need to get up again, fall again. Then we're going to teach you how to take a step, fall again, ask questions, then learn how to take the next step and then fall. Then we're going to teach you how to make a turn and fall. Each of those steps need a information, needs the practice, needs the mistake, needs the stand, needs the questions to get guidance along those lines. And then to personalize the guidance with the questions coming after, then you try step two, then you fall. We know you'll mm-hmm. fall. It's not a question if you'll fall. Then you'll okay. have those questions, then we guide it. So again, skills-based, it's just teach me how to drive in short. Put the car on to drive, and you turn the steering wheel. Right. That's what I'm saying. Parenting is a skills-based question. That's why we do not take parenting questions over here. It's skills-based. It's not information-based. It's skills-based. It's information then with actualizing it. With mm-hmm. not being successful in it. That's skills-based. Okay, fine. So let me try what I can do. And I'll just tell you, the most I will tell you is it's going to be on the recording for an entire month that you will be able to listen to it. If you won't be able to ask your questions, then at least you'll be able to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And hear the questions that other people ask. Chances are all your questions will be raised Answers. by other people. Because mm-hmm. it's, again, skill-based. So anyone that's got 8-year-old kids, very common to have kids not, you know, kids going into your room from the ages of 3 and up. If you have teenagers base, it's very normal that you're going to have the questions. We're going to have many questions that parents are going to be asking about. My kid doesn't listen to me. How do I get my kid home at night? How do I get my kid if they have the, a cell phone? I don't want them to have the cell phone. My kid doesn't want to go to school. My kid is having a fight. My kid's being bullied. These are all going to be questions that are going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. And these are chances are each of these questions that I ask you, you're going to be having or you yeah. had. So therefore, you're going to notice that when it's skills based, Almost everyone's got the same questions. Mm. 
Great. So that's okay. the best that I can offer. And if not my course, and there are wonderful other courses out there advertised all the time. Your question, that's why we do not take parenting questions, because parenting questions are skills-based. Skills-based, sign up to any parenting course out there. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, okay. certainly. And the number to call in for those of you that would like is 718-683-5858, yeah. uh, I would like to go to one of the texts here. You know, sure. really it's some, something that uh, I wanted to ask about. Uh, we, Baruch Hashem, we have uh, two kids and my my spouse is about 22. Oh, I saw that one. Like teen at risk. Yes. What we can do. I tell you because why I'm asking this because I see it all over. And uh, when we don't take this seriously, now it can be a, a bomb later for the kids and for the, the spouse. Okay. So I would. So you got it. Let's go ahead and read it. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Well, let's start over here. Oh, this is complicated. I saw it and I purposely skipped it. But if I have this and picked it, we'll jump into it. The question is as follows. I want to ask, we Baruch Hashem have two kids and my spouse is 22 and acts like a teen at risk. How do I deal with it? Do we go to a therapist or go to a marriage counselor? I know she doesn't mean any bad. Let's make now an assumption with age. If your wife is 22, when it might even be a husband, you know, and someone just changed it for your information base. So let's assume it's the way you said it, a wife. 22 and two kids. We're making the assumption she got married at about 19 years old, 18 or 19. What happens is, many times, when we marry off our children, and I don't want to call it young or not young, we're not going into that, but when they're still discovering themselves, one out of two things happen. Either we marry off our children because we see there's a problem and we're hoping that by marrying them off, it will stabilize and it's going to disappear, which few times, I don't want to say it doesn't happen, but few times it happens, most of the time it does not. Actually, as I call it, it's we call marriage the times 10 principle. Or, which is the other situation, is that she never even verbalized the doubts and the questions and the pain that she's got. And now that she's 22 and she's got so much responsibility of a husband, of kids, she doesn't want that she's not able to deal with it. Now she's acting like a teen at risk. She wants to drop religion, which happens many times. And as we've had the caller that called in earlier saying that she was a teen at risk and she never wanted to harm anyone and she didn't want to do anything bad, just as you're writing, what's happening, there's a lot of pain. And when I say there's a lot of pain, yes, now is the time that I would recommend that you and her go to a therapist. I don't think it's a marriage counseling issue right away. 22 is very young, and if she's acting like a teen at risk, she might be feeling trapped and locked. Go ahead, Rav Nissen. I think that we can combine it with a few uh, listeners questions that we had with the girl from Jerusalem also, that we grow on a certain idealistic uh, way and suddenly you, you feel, oh, many times, unfortunately, we see kids that married because they want to run away from the house, from a pressure house, from, from society, you know, just get married and then they become the own, the trap in their own, uh, house, you know, the own, the own home, they trap, and then they feel it, they want to go out, you know. I saw, unfortunately, we saw it so many with the divorce rate and with the, the uh, you know, things that I, I wouldn't like to discuss in the radio, but it's something that we be aware about it, and the husband or the wife that see this situation with their spouse, please try to do and a therapist try to open to be open with the your your spouse 
and just talk about it and see what what is better and because build and grow together i think that to grow together is very important you know because uh the issue about how the how, how we dress how she dress sometimes she's involved with unfortunately with also exterior stuff that we i, I you know i don't want to say mention it but alcohol is also part of uh, things that happened uh, please don't shovel it under the carpet and don't be ashamed about taking to go to a consulting and talk about it that's right and normally, for those of you that know, I don't always push for a therapist. Over here, I would recommend a therapist. And I want to clarify when I say a therapist. When I mean a therapist, is not to say your wife is problems or your wife is crazy. What I mean to say is your wife has got major pain and she's feeling very trapped. It could still be her parents, could be your parents, could be a lot of issues that are going on. And when we can't handle it, one of the places that we want to drop are where do we feel so trapped? So if the parents are pushing us about religion, then unfortunately we say, you know what, if I drop religion, then it'll be easier on me. Or if the issue is now responsibility, I cannot handle being married because I have to do the laundry and I have to work and I have so much. What they might need to learn is she's in pain. She might need to learn some coping skills. She might need to learn that there are a lot of room. There is room to grow. Many times you need to get a rub involved in saying that's okay. You have certain beliefs that aren't really hashkafadik. You just heard it or you're trapped or pain, whatever else should be there. And the reason why I'm recommending a therapist at this point is because this is a make it or break it sometimes. If it's handled wrong or you create more pressure to a 22-year-old that as it is is at risk, unfortunately, we've seen people drop everything. And we've had enough scandals in the from world where people are going to the newspapers and to the TVs. But if it's handled correctly, if you could look at your wife as someone, as you said, that's a great person, that doesn't mean that is a good person, means she's in deep pain. Send to someone that works with the pain, that works on healing the pain. And with Siata Deshmaya, you will be able to help out. So just recognize you're not alone. Many people are suffering with this. I unfortunately even have a friend that I know that it's affecting him tremendously and the family, and they've made a peaceful level on whatever level it is that whatever this friend of mine does that isn't so kosher, but know that you're not alone. But if it's handled correctly with Siata Deshmai, it could be healed. I'm just going to read this one question because this person has sent it so many times. Alive, that's exactly what your book is. And now a question, as listed in your book, as a sign of self-esteem is having empathy with others' pain related to a good self-esteem. Is feeling for someone else related to a good self-esteem, can you explain? And actually I explain over there that both ways, feeling for others is a strength that you're able to feel for others. And it's also a weakness because sometimes we don't have a confidence within ourselves. So we feel for others too much. We live through others' feelings and therefore we're not able to say no. We're not able to recognize I am a different person. We're not able to feel confident that even if someone's disappointed with me, it's okay. And that's why having empathy for others, feeling for them is good. But if you have it too much, it's many times a sign of a weak self-esteem. Okay. Um... Uh, should we go take questions about the parenting course? Of this and someone just asked. Let's let's take a question over here. Let's take a question. We'll go back to some of the parenting stuff. So. Mrs. H, you're on with Mordechai. And how are Hello and good evening. Yes, good evening. Um, first of all, there are many people on the line listening that 
I know, um, friends, family, basically whoever I know actually is listening. Okay. Or will be listening to the recording, so I'd like to say hello to all my friends. That's wonderful. That is nice. <laughs> hello back. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can And they'll probably be, you'll be enjoying, back to me. And you'll be enjoying um, the phone calls. The, I can't behold. You had the guts to call in. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so I'm calling for positive feedback. Please. But first I want to say that the first time I called in, I was very, very nervous, and now I see that I'm not as nervous as I was the other time. So you always say, like with public speaking, that you practice and you get there. So. That's exactly it. That is, And that is in everything in life, not just public speaking. Yes. Right. Okay, so I always hear you telling, um, telling people that when a child has phobias, like to try to um, come up with an emotional solution. Yes. So I have one son, a five-year-old son, that has, you know, on and off his phobias all the time. Actually, I know it comes from me because I was always a phobia child. Okay. And I am working on my phobias, and at the same time, I'm trying to help him. And we try to go through, like, what can make him feel safe, like malachim and, you know, different things. And he was able to come up with different, um, different ideas, but it didn't really, like, he was giving options, but he... It didn't really work. It wasn't making him feel safe. And then last night, when he woke up in the middle of the night, I gave him my watch. I put it onto his hand, and I said that this is like I'm here with him, and I'm watching him. Because when I'm there, he feels safe. Yeah. I walked out of the room. He made no sound. He was slept through till the morning. And then I asked him in the morning how it went. So he says, Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, then, in the course, really we're going to learn a little me, bit like, different. Well, in I the saw that he connected, like, when I gave him, a, like, something to hold. Excellent. Now, part of what we're going to be teaching you in the parenting course is that's good for one or two nights, but during the night, we don't do anything, actually. You're going to teach him, and you'll learn the confidence for those that will sign up, how not to go to it at night. You'll address it ahead of time. You'll address it in the morning. How old is your kid, first of all, you said again? Five? Five. No, we're not going to, we're, we're going to start teaching them how to stay in the bed because then we start creating the anxiety by being there too much. Which means if you... So I, didn't, I didn't take him out of bed. I know that, but every time, if you're going to go, if the kids will cry once and then three nights later again you go and then the fourth time we're creating that when you cry, it's almost like a baby. When you're teaching them to stop with the bottles, they'll have to cry once or twice or stretch it out a little. Part of that uh, is the, the parenting course is not focusing on anxiety. No, absolutely mm -hmm, not. Mm -hmm. It's skills-based. And, and I tell that to the parents. If you got anxiety, don't take this course thinking that this course is going to teach you how to help your kid have anxiety. It's not called parenting for anxiety. It's called mm -hmm. parenting skills. Right, I just remembered that you were saying that. Uh, yes, yes, no, that's why I'm clarifying. I'm saying it's a beautiful, it's beautiful. Them. I'm sharing with you that it's beautiful that it worked. But now, just to be aware, since it's a parenting question, and since we're dealing with the parenting classes, I just want uh, you to be aware that because when we have anxiety, we try to reassure our kids so much because we're looking for the reassurance, and we're actually mm -hmm. creating, we're continuing the anxiety of being built and growing. So the more times we listen to the word anxiety, the more times we go to the kids that cry at night, the more we are even creating the anxiety. Really? Yes. And then me getting him my watch that he could sleep with it is... If it's once or twice, it's okay. If, you go, if you've gone to him more than twice at night, you've, you're now recreating and you're continuing the anxiety and you're actually fueling the anxiety, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, just well, to be okay. aware of that. So it's great. 
It's good that it worked, but if in three mm -hmm. nights from now, now you're going to have to start spending other things in the middle of the night, that's not good. Mm -hmm. No, at mm -hmm. a certain level, we got to go, you're confident that you're strong enough and you can cry alone in bed. I'll give you my okay. watch for physic, <laughs> cry and stay there. And that's where you're going to uh -huh. find your anxiety kicks in. But he's crying and he's so cute and he's so afraid. And I remember how scared I was. And again, mm -hmm. the parenting class is not going to heighten or strengthen the concept of the anxiety. We will address mm -hmm. it, but we're not going to be focusing. That's going to be a separate workshop where we might have a workshop for kids that have issues or parents that have issues, how it's affecting your kids. That's separate. This is mm -hmm. skills right. so based. I know that this is for me, and I am working on it. Well, exactly. It's, it's no, so I'm clarifying. Right. It's excellent, but right. since we're now at the parenting mode, I'm giving you that little bit more information. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right here, All right. right here. It was interesting. Also, can I just add another tiny little piece? Go ahead. Yeah, before he went to sleep tonight, I asked him what he's going to do if he's going to wake up in the middle of the night and he's going to be afraid. I was waiting to hear if he's going to ask me for my watch. Yeah. So he said, he told me that he's going to imagine that I'm Excellent. Excellent. And if it works, that's great. And if he cries, try not to go to him tonight. I wouldn't say that because, again, you don't have the preparation. You need to prepare him ahead that I'm not coming. That's the skills-based. I don't even want to – just want to tell you that it's you did great and it's excellent, but at a certain point, we don't want to focus on that. We want to start making it mm -hmm. a non-issue. He's already a kid that is, sleeps through the night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear that. Okay, yeah. I'm glad that I called in. Yeah, excellent. And you're brave and enjoy all the feedback from everyone telling you, I can't believe you called in and I'm so glad that it worked. Enjoy it all. Enjoy it. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. Sure. I know that we got uh, all the line is busy, but yeah. I must uh, ask you about this uh, text. Go ahead. Um, I school girl, and I have lots of teachers that have told me things like I am going off the dirt. I found that I am doing things. I would never have done what can I do. Well, I really don't I, understand the question. Well, uh, let's I, assume you're asking. What's the question? The question the is that this girl is in school. Yes. Teachers are telling her she's doing things that's going off the derech. She's agreeing that she's doing actions that are going off the derech. Yeah, but you know what? And, and I think that because youth, especially in the teenagers, yeah. and this is what I'm with screaming all the time, teacher, please, please, Try to encourage the the kids. Don't say the negative because the kids will. In the minute you t you plant in the brain of this poor girl, she's off the dirt or she's doing something off the dirt. She will do it. You push her. You push this rebellion in in every one of us. And what you're also saying is many times there's normal experimenting exactly. things that kids are meant to question. I've had I've along those lines I've heard horror stories where a kid would ask a rebbe a question. The rebbe would say that's apikarsa. Yeah. And how could the kid know that? We don't teach Kalatari Kula by 14 or 13. And it's not an apicarius. It's a normal question and we explain it. But let's not label. Many times kids go around being labeled. So I would like to, so I'm glad Harv Nissen explained it this way because I understood your question completely different. I understood that the teachers are telling you you're going off the derech and you see you're going off the derech yourself. So what do you do? And then I would say, go ahead and get help. Why are you doing that? Um what is the question over here? So that why I would say, go ahead to ask the teacher, who could you open up? However, maybe the possibility is that you're just experimenting. And therefore, what I would say is, see if there's a teacher that's open-minded that you like. Discuss it with your parents, even. Where are your parents involved? Parents are here supposed to give you chizik. 
And along those lines, I really would wish you can speak to any Mechanoch and just say, this is what's going on. Maybe it's not going off the derech at all. Maybe it's just some teachers that are very strict. Maybe you are. Maybe you are doing things that need help. I don't know. I feel the question too too vague. I, you know, but this, this the point here. I'm a parent of, of a teenager, you know, and I know that I really open discussion between me and my children. Yeah. It's very important. It's very important. And sometimes a wor negative word can just, you know, block and close the 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 road of negotiation the everything just what you build all your life and suddenly you find yourself that you just uh, oh you you tagged me as as a off there uh, boy or girl and I'll show you what is mean I'll show you what is mean to be off there I'll do this and I'll do this and do this you know and they, if they, even they don't try to to you know they, and when you have the ashkafa and we have things that to explain the boys or girl. Uh, what is all about to be in the teenagers, to be that all the omen is working together and something that you know just colliding in it. You know, it reminds me that uh, about the four uh, sons of the Agadah. Yeah. You know, talking about. So Rabbi Mendelssohn said about it that it's each of us as it. You know, when you're born, you're dumb, you're naive. When yeah. you're a little bit, uh, you know, younger, so you are, you know, you're there sure, you don't know how to ask. And a, and a teenager, you rasha, you you experiment, you yeah. rebellion, and then you go older, you become smart, chacham. So we have to take it as a, as a, as a something that, especially the teachers and parents, be patient with our teenagers. Very 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 important. We don't want them to the, this is continuously the same question about the couple, that you know that yeah, she's, yeah. you know it's really continuously. Yes. That's why I took it. Excellent, thank you. Okay, so let's go to uh, Miss W. Miss W, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, it's me? Yes. If... Yes, Mrs. W. Mrs. W, uh, yes. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for your um, line. Uh, I got to spend a lot of it and learn a lot of it. Thank you, certainly. I'm honored. Um, yeah, I just want to ask, um, is there an uh, age that it's a little bit... Um, too old to help in codependence. Are you alive? Is that person alive? <laughs> yes, but and is never too old. Um, because we did try to reach out a little, and most of them just turned up and say that it's uh, too hard to be changed, and um, should we should let go. So we're just wondering if wait, we well, should I, let go. I, or wait, wait, let's let's hear. We I'm already got confused. You see, we use technical terms, and that's a difficulty that I have when, when we use professional terms. Okay. Who is codependent? You or the no, person? No, not me. No, it's not me. Ah, so the person is codependent. Now yes. you want to know: Can the person that's codependent change? The answer is yes. Now the second part of the question. Now let me ask a question, or let me address a question. If the person doesn't believe they could change, could they change? And the answer is no, they can't. Uh -huh. This I understand, but if um, I feel we do, we can. Um, notice, notice though, I feel and we, but you're not talking about that person. Talk about what the other person feels. Um, the other person doesn't know what he feels. Oh, he's a sure bit they fat. know. Oh, sure they, they know. know. You told them they could change. You told them they said they could change. What are they telling you when you tell them change? Um, Come on, say the answer. We hear from your question. What when <laughs> you tell them you could change? What do they say? They say I'm fine. Everything Bingo. is fine. It's gonna pass. Thank it's gonna you. Pass. So now let's pass. go to that. So who is codependent here? You or them? 
Um, it might be that me too, but... Okay, um, so let's take it to you. So now let's take the question to you. I have a relative of mine that's very close to me, and they're stuck in a matzav, and they don't want to change. And it bothers okay. me. Now notice codependence here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe if About you will change... and other family members. That's right. And maybe if you guys would change and let go and let them eat the chrein and the matzav that they're in, they might actually change. As long as people are worried about them, they won't change. Mm-hmm. Do you know how safe it is that I don't have to ever change because I got 10 people worried about me? And whenever I want to change, I have 10 people there to rescue me. So I got a crutch. And the minute I see Ivy, I'm on my own. And now they I need come help. Ask me, help me. What? They come to us and ask. And then the answer is, oh, I'm sorry. But right now, that's not my department. My department is, let's assume it's your kid. I'm just making a guess. Mommy's role is to give advice, or if you want some advice, I'll tell you, yes, this could get better. Now there's a problem. I'm sorry. When I told you it's time to change, you weren't ready for that. Now you guys are adults. You're older. Figure it out. And what about the other way around? If what? If it's a child and a parent. That's what I just said. No. Oh, let's say it's your parent. Very wonderful. How old are you? You're 60 years old? You're a smart lady. Figure it out. You give me can, such can we great tell that for a parent? What do you mean? Uh, by the way, I don't want to start passing halachas, but yeah, you go, yeah, oh, I know, I know. No, that. let's I do it the other that. way. If you speak to a rav, you're not allowed to listen to your parents if they have problems because it's getting it's issues that arises of lush and hara. Speak to a rav. Let me tell you something. I let you go to any rav. You're going to hear in my book. There was one chapter that I was so debating if I should do it or not, or put it in there or not. And the rav even gave me a psakalacha that I must put it in there. And one of the questions was over there where a parent says, you're not allowed to invite my sister to the bar mitzvah, to your son's bar mitzvah. And they asked the rav, am I allowed to invite her out? And the rav says, not only do you, are you, do you must invite them, Altsmar Shalom and all that, but it's not there if you're going to listen to your mother because they're creating sinaschinim in the family, creating it worse. Do you know that, and I, I didn't, I wasn't, we originally had it in the version and then I wanted to pull it out because my book is so non-controversial that I thought some parents will be upset. When I spoke to a different Rav, the Rav says, no, it's a mitzvah to start announcing what's going on. People have to start knowing that we're abusing those words, kibbedava aim. It's averis sometimes. And I kept it in there. And I'm still nervous about those, about that couple of words there. When mm-hmm. you're, if you have a parent that's calling you up and making fights and getting you nervous and complaining, even if it's about your father or about your mother, they're complaining about the spouse. Do you know how many isurim you're over? Not only that you're not helping, not only that you're not going to be getting a mitzvah for that, but do you know the isurim that you're over? If you have a parent that complains to you about the other spouse, isurim doiraisa, speak to your abonim about it. I don't want to tell it to you. Don't take my word for it. Yeah, but we we did we did. It's, it's a little bit getting complicated. Great. But, so don't um, share anymore. All I'd like you to recognize okay. is you are codependent. You are stuck in the trap. Okay. You are, st- and I, I mean this out of gentleness. I'm sorry, I might sound yeah, that no, like. No, no, I understand that. No, I don't I mean like to attack you and say you're the problem. <laughs> what I mean to say is. You're in the situation. You need to get yourself out of it. You need to say, you know something, guys, for two months, leave me out of it. Notice, the minute they go to professional and will whack them into place in a nice way, they'll have to change. Because with kids or with family members, they're able to manipulate and to have the same problems going on for years. The minute you get a professional involved, they go, stop driving me crazy. What's well, your... we did that. We did that. Yeah, and then what happened to the professional? The professional told him, you're too old, it doesn't pay, it's going to be too hurtful. Uh, wait, is it. that person licensed or is that person an Askin? Um, one and one. 
One was licensed and one was asking. The one that I don't know any any damage. licensed person that would say that. The licensed person would say, if you want to get better, we're here to help you. And that's the goal. And even when people are, unfortunately, their bunchlam has given them a death sentence, means that they have a terminal illness, that there's no way to get better, there is still room for happiness. And licensed professionals that are trained in those areas know about that. You don't say, let the old person die or let the sick person die. Chas v'shalom. Every second we can help a person. Maybe the therapist didn't want to deal with it. Say, you guys aren't coming in here with, to get help. You guys are coming here to kvetch it, to complain. So if that's the case, then move on. Then just live with it. I could hear a ther I could see myself doing that. Mm -hmm. I could see a couple sentence? coming to me. Let's say a couple in their 60s coming and they're fighting for about 50 years already. From before they were married, they were fighting already. From the day they got engaged. And they're busy fighting, and then now they come to me, they're married for 40, 50 years. I've got that many times. And what I told them as follows, you guys are each coming and talking about the other one. If you don't come in saying what I need to change and how I need to do better, I can't help you. And almost all the time they say, no, no, I'm too old to change, but get my wife and get my husband to change. It wasn't at all that. It wasn't, wasn't not at all that way. He was just listening to the problems, and he said, okay, well, I'm saying I can give you this and this tool, use this and this tool, it should help. And I didn't it think doesn't it sound like a licensed me. professional or someone that's too experienced. I'm sorry to tell you. Uh -huh. so no licensed professional that's dealing with one. a person with over 40, even a person over 25. I'm oh, sorry. I, I don't know any kid, even from a kid that I would work on, I say this one tool will work. For anyone that listens to me over here, you hear how many more tools are in my toolbox. And for those of you that come to me as clients, many times I tell someone I've maximized all the tools in the toolbox. It's not working. Let's try someone else. Mm -hmm. But now it's going to be much harder to take to, to take the, the spouse to some one because... No, you don't. Whichever side wants to get help, you just tell them, listen to this question. I called up to Mordechai Weimerger, have them listen to it and let go. Stop complaining to me because I can't hear it. Or uh, my recommendation to you is go to help on codependence. I'd recommend you and your family chip in together and go for several sessions on codependence. That's what you want to do and whatever. So that was my question. If, if it pays to do that. Of course. That's the only... The only change starts with the word I and with me. Mm -hmm. And what if not all of the family members want to join? Who only said you need all of them? Only of them. the ones that are involved and the other ones that want to get involved that don't want to come, don't come, but then let them There's not some come. Some are that in denial. Some of the family members let are in denial. Let them be in denial. It's only the ones that, remember, I always tell people that the easiest to be in denial is if you're not involved. Whoever's involved can't be in denial. You understand what I'm saying? The ones that are in denial are the ones that they get a call once in six months and they call you up complaining. And the answer is, oh, if you're calling me about mommy, tati, brother, sister, cousin, sister-in-law, nephew, niece, oh, please, don't get involved. I, I don't want to hear any information until you're involved daily. They called you? Go ahead. That's okay. That's called splitting, and that's how you deal with it in the professional language. We don't take calls and we don't deal with splitters. Your, your parent has an issue something? Let them tell them to tell it to me. I didn't get the last thing you said. I know. It's very comp It's. It, yeah. I don't All I'll tell you is that you need guidance. Whoever is that, willing in the that, family to go, know you're going to be going for several months, for at least 10 sessions, at least two and a half months. Uh, is there such a thing as family therapy? Of course. That's fa that, now you just used the word. That's actually called family therapy. And family therapy is for getting the, 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 the team in place, and then we deal with the person with a disorder. The concept of family therapy is we're all one.
Till family systems came across, it would be if a parent has a disorder, if a kid has a disorder, that kid has the problem. What family therapy systems came in to recognize is, no, we're all one. If a kid has a disorder, then the sister will be affected, then the grandparents will be affected, then the grandchildren will be affected, the nephews and nieces. Every simcha, every wedding, there will be an effect by that. And therefore, they view not the one person with the issue as the issue. They now view the whole family as an issue. And how will the family survive as an entity? How will they thrive as an entity? How will they succeed as an entity? So whoever is willing to start making changes, and by you making changes, there will be a ripple effect in the entire family. Some for the better, some will hate you for that. As many brachas as I get over here and people thanking me, there I don't want to say equal, but there are a lot of people that don't because when you make changes in their lives, a lot of issues happen. Many times in family systems where we stop the codependence, that family member that spent 20 years of their lives or the first 20 years of their marriage where they gave up time and all that, and now they've stopped their creating, their breathing. Now, also, I have now six siblings all upset at Mordechai Weiberger. Since Mordechai got, Weiberger got involved, my sister or my brother stopped taking care of all the problems. We can't call him up about mommy and tati or about this brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And that's because now this person's trying to live their life. Yeah, those that have issues aren't wanting to go for therapy. And now this person's trying to enjoy their life. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean there'll be a happy ending. What it means is you will be able to take responsibility over what you can take responsibility over. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and the only thing why I didn't give up yet is just by listening to your... Um, Thank uh, you. That is a schuss and an honor. That is exactly the point of these lines are for awareness. Beautiful. Because the other one want to give up. And I said, Never no, give up. As long as they are alive, there's tefillah. I'm a huge believer in davening. Huge believer in davening and tefillah. Daven and keep on believing. And then get help. Mm-hmm. Get help. Is there s- anywhere else um, than um, the two organizations you say that we can call up? It's so common. Just call up Relief or because Echo. Because we did, and, and that's where we, we patched everything, and, and we don't know what to do right now. Call up Relief or call up Echo and tell them as follows. We need guidance. We, the family, need guidance. Someone that has, I would say, someone that has experience dealing with personality disorders. Because what you describe is called already a personality disorder. I'm not going into why. Don't even go there why. And, Okay, okay, I know You that. need guidance for personality disorder. Who is someone that has experience working with personality disorders? And you'll get guidance from them. But the spouse, but it's the spouse that we think is going to have to go. Because no, you've missed the whole point. You've missed it. You've gone right back into codependence. You're trying to get them for therapy. Did I ever say how to get them to therapy? My answer is how to get you to therapy. You to therapy means pulling out a little from the case. Let it explode. No, we're not here to help you. The number to call is relief or echo. You guys got a problem? Figure it out. Sorry. The mitzvah is only over here talking about positives. We're not allowed to hear negatives from you. We're involved already 15 years. It hasn't gotten better. So why are you continuing the same system? If something didn't work, like I said, if you're making a soup and it's horrible for 15 years in a row and you're still making the soup, what do you think you would tell the person? Continue making it? Would you still tell them, just change the recipe? I'm begging you, change the recipe. Let them eat normal soup. Wouldn't you say, you know something, call me when you're really ready to change the recipe. Mm-hmm. 
You are the one that needs therapy. I want to clarify. You, 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 and your family, not the family members. Let's assume it's your parents. Let's assume it's your sister and brother-in-law that has shalom bias problems. Let's assume it's them. Whichever one. Stop calling me. The number to call is relief and echo. That's it. But for you to learn that strength, you need to go to that person that specializes in personality disorders, how to remove yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing it? I, I do. And I'm going to let my husband listen to it, too. That's it. The goal is how you guys will separate. You guys are caught in the trap. How much is your marriage affected, your parenting skills affected by the stress of these unhealthy people for 15, 20 years going on? A lot. Bingo. Now, for 15, 20 years, you weren't successful. Why are you still trying to help out? It's getting worse and worse. And if it has gotten worse and worse with you involved for 15 years, why are you still staying involved? Imagine I would ask you this question. Mordechai, you're a therapist. You're helping a case for 15 years, and it's only getting worse. Listen to your question, but I, I don't mean to attack you because I want you to ask everyone that's in codependence is just as blind as you are. Just mm -hmm. as blind. You're involved in a case for 15, 20 years. It's getting worse, and yet you're involved. Do you know what they would have said about that therapist in the street? But yet in codependence, it makes sense because maybe now they're going to get it. I'll try a little harder. I'll put in a little more love. We did try to change. I them. know um, that. Um, I know that. But that's where you need guidance. That's why I'm saying you mm -hmm. need to go once a week, you and your husband, once a week for therapy, for guidance, how to deal with it, and you will get your training. Mm -hmm. Got it? Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And yeah. we've got two minutes to go, three minutes to go, so we'll take one more question. Mrs. R, you're on with Mordechai and her omnissim. Yeah, it's me? Yes. Okay. I teach teenagers, and I have a student that's not being honest. So what approach do I take? She is... I have no proof, like, black and white. First of all, let's... So, let's I, like, I like just evening the playing fields. Have you ever been dishonest in your life? Probably. Okay, well, I could say I've been dishonest many times in my life. Can we, I just, just from your question, can we ease off? Is it a big deal if she's being dishonest? No, it's not. That's it. So just let go. Let kids be kids. Let teenagers be teenagers. Let us be us. Right. If you worry, well, that's pathological. I want to make sure that she has, it can be a major problem like later on. Now, have I, you have, a, have, when you've been dishonest, has it been a major problem uh, later on? That's why I asked, is it all over? Is it pathological? Yeah, but maybe there was a teacher or someone that influenced me not to be, you know, taught me to have more Yerushalayim, right? Yes, maybe. And maybe you can do that with her. So, is, yeah, that's my question. Excellent. So, I, I first wanted to remove that fear about if a kid is, dis if a teenager is dishonest. First of all, let's recognize they're teenagers. They're experimenting. Let's relax a little about that. Second thing is you can be open to her about it. Tell her, I don't know if you're dishonest or not, but how do you feel about telling the truth? Are you afraid? Are you afraid? I did that in the past with her, and she's just lying blindly. Like, I know that it's definitely not true. Like, if she gets, like, usually she can barely make the 65, and she's telling me that she's getting the, she deserves the points that the top kids are getting for work that they do on their own. Now, I so appreciate how you clarified this question, because I hear such a different question. 
Let's uh, let's rephrase the question that I heard. The question that I heard was, if a teenager is sometimes dishonest and you can't prove it, is it okay? So what we're saying is it really depends. Let's relax. Now I hear a question that you're a teenager. You have a, t a student that's a teenager and that's delusional, which means they're barely getting a 65 and they want to get marks. They're asking you to give them 100. Right. Now, I can't prove it because it's points that they get for work they do on their own. Yeah. And she's telling me that she deserves all the points that even the real bright kids uh, can hardly get. I hear a completely different question. I hear over here a question where a girl feels she's putting in her best work. And she's no, no, she knows. She knows she's not. It's just easy because there's no way to prove that she doesn't deserve it. Well, it's very easy to do that. What, what's wrong with you know? just saying, if you really do that well, if you really did the time, proof to be in the pudding, I want to see your marks. Or I want to see your mother do that. No, it's, you can make it very simple. For kids that study a lot, do well, unless they have some learning disorder or unless they're not really doing it. So since you're not getting the marks, I'd like you to either study in front of your mother the entire time that I want to get a letter from your parent. Mm -hmm. It's not really going to work. It's more they get it for doing it in class like so it's a little bit more so let's put it over here here's an issue where someone is not aware of their problems she uh, is aware it's just her obviously she wants to get a mark a good mark more than she doesn't have enough here shemaim right no her need to get why a why do we put in our missions over here clenching it says why did we just put in your shemaim to this because obviously it's a lack of Yerushalayim. Why? Right? If she would, How? Why? Yeah. If she would have Yerushalayim, she would not, she would be scared. Really? Uh, I, really? I think, I think somebody Whoa. replaced Kadosh Baruch Hu here. Whoa. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Rabbi Mordechai, I'm sorry. I just, I, I cannot, I cannot handle it. Hold on, let's clarify. Yerushalayim means that the person doesn't believe in Hashem and is not afraid of Hashem. Maybe this girl is very afraid of Hashem, but maybe she is right now petrified. This failing, getting a bad mark will mean she's a loser. She might get beaten up by her father or her mother right now. She's screaming for help. Right. Do we ever ask her why do you need it so badly, this hundred? What's going on in your life? Have you tried speaking to her before we're accusing her of not being Yerushalayim? I don't know. Well, before we don't know, we can't diagnose. That's what we're busy saying over here. When we call someone less Yerushalayim, do you know how it could affect the rest of her life? Uh, I would never tell that to her. Okay, never. but that's your view of her. When she comes to you, you view of her as someone that's missing Yerushalayim. Maybe we first view her as someone that's in pain, that she's got a sister or brother that's beating her up, or a father that's nervous and tense. Or a mother, or she's got to prove that all the other sisters got great marks and she has a learning disorder that was never proven, that was never helped. Or she has a parent that doesn't have time for her now. And she she thinks if she'll get good marks, she'll have friends, and now she's got no friends. So should I approach her? Well, hold on. Not, no, 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 you're already biased. You're, I would tell you get off the case right now. Now we need yes. someone that has in a care. In general, in general. You can't. In general. not being honest. In general, I, I would say you are not. Word, in general, I would ask you to look at your you for you to do your cheshbon and nefesh about where you feel you're not really being honest, because if you're a teacher for teenagers, you would know that the most normal, common, basic thing for a teenager to do is to lie and to try to get out of it. And it's not called dishonesty. That's what we teach them yerushalayim. How do you expect a teenager to have yerushalayim if it wasn't taught? Yes, but they're older. 
years. By now, they should have uh, developed. Oh, really? How field. old are you? I, I can tell you that I haven't developed yet my year, Shemai, my work on the daily. And as well, I shared with everyone this honestly, year before Purim, I owned up to some major pain, major mistake that I've done two years ago, embarrassed out of it, and it took me two years to own up, and I called up the person and asked him, would you say that I didn't have Yerushalayim for, for two years? We're going to grow, and I plan on making many more mistakes, and I plan on owning up to it, and I plan on growing in my Yerushalayim. You've just diagnosed this girl no Yerushalayim. That means you've diagnosed no, 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 me no, no, no. Yerushalayim. I feel that her need to get a good mark is greater. Well, my need of my no? embarrassment was greater of me for two years. I didn't have the Yerushalayim until I was able to do the inner work and guidance and find my fears and all my pain until I was able to own up to it. No, how about to recognize that it's normal for girls? Because for girls, their mark is their entire is their, is their entire atzmi, is who they are. A girl that flunks is a failure in our system today. And the only way she can have a self-esteem, you, by her failing, she's getting a zero, saying no one's going to look at me, I will not have friends, I won't get validated. We need to change the way we view marks, and maybe you'll see that she'll have more Yerushalayim. Maybe you give her one time a little bit higher mark than she deserves. And maybe I, build their confidence. No, but how about, you, practice, right. how about you sit with right her and you practice with her? Let's he, try the other way around. How about you tell her, you know something? Let's try it reverse. How about, you know something? I see you're barely getting 65s for three quarters of a year. I want to study with you the next two weeks for the next two tests. Let me give you an hour a week on Shabbos or on Friday or on Sunday when there's no school. I want to study with you an hour or give you 20 minutes every day over the phone. Try that for one week. I wonder what will happen to her marks, and we'll see if her Yerushalayim changes. Mm-hmm. Okay, My I hear goal it. is, lying, in general, in general lying is not a chasarni Yerushalayim. In general, lying is a sign that they're missing something. They're afraid of something. Why are they lying? It might be a I sign. I think she just thinks she's going to get a free ride. Like, Who wants no a free ride in life? Me... Who wants a free ride? Everyone enjoys working. Everyone enjoys growing. Who wants a free ride? If I tell you I'll give you a million dollars if you work hard, or I'll give you a million dollars for free. Which would you want? The Gemara says, Adam writes, Adam writes a, kav a person would rather have one kav of food of their own that they worked rather than if someone gives them nine of, of, as a present. People like working. It's a lie that I find. What I find is people and teenagers don't like working when they're stressed, when they're forced, when they know they'll fail, when they know they'll never succeed anyhow. Teenagers, we need to put ourselves... When was the last time you thought what it's like to be a teenager? Do you know what it's like to be a teenager that almost everything about the friends you have the rest of your life is based on that, Mark? At home, with friends, your own self-esteem? I would fight like anything. I would tell you in my younger years I was too weak to fight and to lie. In my sessions that I have on me today, it's why I didn't fight. It's that I was too coward to lie and to verbalize some of my difficulties. And what they're going today with this generation, what is all around us, what going with their, their head? They're going in the street and looking all the other stuff. What, what were the teachers, were the parents that give the backup, the backbone to these girls? Mordechai, we pass okay, already we so go. much. Thank you. Know, this is was this so was, important. Yeah. It's important to continue the show. Yes. And it's yes. important to continue all yes. this. Okay. Thank you all. And I appreciate the calling in. I'm looking forward to hearing you next week.